You're listening to the Alex Wolf Podcast. Interesting conversations about innovation, economics, culture, and history for the independent thinkers and curious minds. I'm your host, Alex Wolf. Hi, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Alex Wolf Podcast. And today we are going to be talking about civilization. Um, I know civilization kind of sounds like a big topic, but in my opinion, it isn't in the sense that civilization is something we think about pretty much all day long, whether it be through thinking about our job, thinking about our family, thinking about um, technology, all of these things are correlated to civilization, but we don't think of it in that way um, because we're so immersed in it, we're so zoomed in. So this episode is about zooming out and seeing the correlation between civilization and tech philosophy specifically because I feel like it's important to draw these two together because they're really one. Um, And I'll be explaining how civilization comes to be through the philosophy of whatever human beings are around and what they believe needs to be invented in order to have a harmonious civilization. So um, I want to start by talking about Alan Watts' explanation of civilization and its connection to the cross. Now, this is not uh, an evangelist sort of uh, conversation. I'm just going to be talking about the theology of um, how Alan Watts sees the correlation between the cross and society um, and what the cross symbolizes according to him, which is just one person. So... um, I think the best way to start this is talking about that there there is a wild man and there is a domesticated man. And of course, um, when I say wild man, I'm wild has such negative connotations. It's funny, I was trying to find synonyms for wild and they were like savage, barbaric. Um, I wish we had better words for uncivilized, um, but we don't. They're all um, kind of, they're all negative. And when I say wild, I just mean a man who does not have a society or a woman who does not have a, 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 a town or community and is living um, in a hunting culture. So wild man lives in a hunting culture and domesticated man lives in agrarian cultures. Now, I think another reason why it's hard to find, you know, at least neutral or positive words for wild is because so much of the English language was founded by Westerners who are very much worth, you know, threatened by the idea of hunting culture or um, wild man, you know, and so would equate living and hunting for food and living in that kind of culture as negative. So I just thought I would throw that in there. So, okay, wild man lives in a hunting culture domesticated man lives in an agrarian in agrarian cultures meaning a farmer culture now the difference between wild and hunting man and domesticated agriculture man is technology it is technology whether it be something super basic like a type of seed to plant or whether it be um, a type of material to use to build a house It's not that um, hunting cultures don't use tools and technology, but I guess you can say the domesticated culture has more of it and depends on it more. So in a hunting culture, every man knows 
all of the culture, or in other words, he knows all of the arts and skills necessary for survival. So most likely if someone is living in that hunting culture, they know how to kill their own food, they know how to stay warm, to stay dry, to stay cool, um, they know how to probably procreate, right? They know the basic things for survival. But it is a totally different story when a settled agrarian culture comes to be. When people meet and settle, right, they build a village with usually a protective boundary to distinguish and protect their communities from others. And these boundaries aren't just protecting the community from the outside, whether it be outside enemies or outside, um, you know, animals that are looking for prey. There are also boundaries set up within the communities that are meant to preserve the integrity of it through things like rules and behavior that is expected. Okay, that's a really big, important chunk to this. I'm going to repeat that. There are boundaries set within communities to preserve the integrity of it through rules and expected behavior. Again, when I was doing a lot of research for my presentation about why millennials feel so unaligned with their age, this kept coming up of, you know, uh, rites of passage and making sure that there are systems and ceremonies in place so that people are um, know what behavior is expected of them as an adult. Okay, I think one of the most important parts of the agrarian community is and what makes them, what sets them apart, I, again, the big distinguisher is that there must be a division of labor or a division of function, which makes it so that the, the men who are living in it no longer need to know all those skills. They don't need to know all the art and skills it takes to survive. They probably just need to know one. So once you live in a society, once you live in a civilization, you don't need to know how to hunt the food. You don't need to know how to provide shelter, um, at least not in that fundamental way. You need to know how to buy it, but that's a very different system than going to like, you know, imagine if you had to hunt all the food you're eating or build all the shelter you're staying in. <laughs> so that's, that's the big difference. And it's this division of labor that causes, I mean, everything. <laughs> it causes all the conflict and it also causes the harmony. It just depends on the tech philosophy of the civilization okay because sometimes people hear division of labor and they go right to thinking about um you know karl marx and people getting exploited for their labor or they might think of capitalism and think about why it's necessary to have a division of labor the point is that every civilization this is how it works you are trading the need to know how to do everything for yourself to just knowing how to do one or two valuable things and we have obviously had uh, have adopted so much technology that some people the 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 need and the skills that are necessary look completely different than they did um during that agrarian stage we are now in a information and corporate um culture which it, it still has agrarian culture within it, but it's sort of like a, a cake, and that's the first layer. Now we have at least like 
um, four layers on top of that agrarian age because after agrarian we had the industrial then we had information and now we're like past we're we're in a corporate intellectual property stage okay so um that I think gives very helpful context. I mean, for someone like me who's naturally fascinated by civilization, but also just naturally fascinated by how things came to be, that is really, really helpful because it, it just gives me, again, contextual evidence of how we, can, how we got evolved to this point where we have this type of technology. So um, now, when it comes to this division of labor, there is a tendency to divide the specialties and we've seen this happen across the globe um, when people come together they they tend to divide the labor or they divide the specialties or functions of people into four main groups now you can look at something like uh the the hind and i'm again i'm not there's no value judgment i just want to be a, a factual source here so when i say these things sometimes people hear them and they might get emotional or think I'm um, encouraging it or promoting it. I'm not. I'm just sort of laying this all down so we can have a conversation about it. So one of the most ancient ones is the Hindu caste system, right? And so it's divided into four divisions of labor. The first is religious slash priesthood. Um, the second is the nobility uh, division. So it's things like judge law and soldiers military um, the third division is merchants and farmers so people who are um, entrepreneurs and creating wealth through whatever natural resources are there and then laborers who are being hired um, and sometimes used as slaves unfortunately for um, the rest of those divisions again i'm not condoning i am just saying what is going on because i know this is a soft it's a, it's a touchy point for a lot of people, but we have to talk about these ty types of things so we can develop a tech philosophy that brings as much harmony as possible. All right, now I bring up the Hindu caste system because it's very similar to the medieval uh, Western Christian society under the feudal system. It's the same, pretty much the same four divisions, right? It's the priests and the church, it's the law, it's the kings, queens, the governmental... Um, division and then again we have the merchants and the people in agriculture and then we have the serfs slash the slaves i'm anti-slavery i think this is messed up um but this is for a long time and unfortunately today in many areas of the world how to how labor is divided um now back to the hunting culture um, so what I felt, thought was so profound that Alan Watts made this correlation to, and again, just to give you some context, Alan Watts was a philosopher who was fascinated by Eastern philosophy, um, both Buddhism, Zen, um, Hinduism, and helped interpret a lot of it to the Western culture. Um, and he saw this deep correlation that really was profound and changed my life between the cross and civilization. And so um, the hunting man or the, the hunting cultured man, he finds that if he is in a society, and when we think the hunting culture, you know, you might have a vision of like a caveman who looks like Tarzan, 
But I think that the hunting culture man can also be a mentality of the outsider, period. The person who does not want to be in any system, who does not want to be in any of these divisions. And um, I see a lot of correlation with the artists. And I'm, I'm saying that with love. Again, I feel like people get, uh, they have like strong emotions about all of this. But the mentality of like, why do I have to fall into one of these four um, that's a question that a, a hunting culture person would say and also just an outsider, a rebel, an artist, someone who doesn't want to sacrifice a part of themselves to be in this. So Alan Watts was saying that the hunting culture man um, also when you are hunting, when you are that type of, I hate this because it sounds like a negative thing. But again, they're so limited words. I guess natural man, but we're all natural in my mind. But anyway, my point is that that natural man plays all those roles. He or she is usually providing their own spiritual um, experience. So you think of the shaman. The shaman is, he's not going to a church. He's maybe meditating on a mountain and have, building his own spirituality through his own experience by living in that type, living that type of lifestyle. He's also governing himself or maybe, or herself or whoever they're around, like in small groups, because humans always have traveled in small groups. Um, they're also their own farmers and merchants in the sense that as far as how wealth is getting traded and, and found, it's from them hunting, right? That's the main difference is like they're getting their own food. They're figuring out what trees sprout, what fruit at what season, and they have to know that. And they're also their own laborers, right? They're building their own shelter. They're doing all the work. So that was a big reason why humans were like, hmm, do we have to do this? Um, what if we all got together and you did this and you did that and you did that? Um, so I say all that to say that, again, Watts talked about how um, the hunting man being in this position where he has to decide pretty much to sacrifice a part of himself for the common welfare. And Watts says that this can be called a kind of crucifixion or crucifixion of man and saw this correlation between the cross being a symbol of this division of labor in a society and so again i'm not trying to you know have a value judgment on religious beliefs i, I think it's i think whatever religion you you know are down with is cool this is not you know one of those types of things but for me this was a, an eye-opener because symbols and things like that i started to look at the cross as like wow this is a symbol of civilization at least that's what it is for me i understand it's different for everybody i don't want to offend anybody clearly <laughs> i'm like scared i'm not really scared but i do i want to be respectful you know because this is something that's very fascinating and i wanted to talk about it and i just want to be very um yeah respectful and careful about about it so um that was was really cool and i and i guess moving on from that what i'm saying is that through invention and manipulation of natural resources we are and we were able to divide the labor it takes to live and settle in one place rather than roam around so it's technology again 
if you've heard me talk, you know when I say tech, I am not talking about the new iPhone. I'm talking about the shovels that we you know, made so that we can plant seeds. I'm talking about the actual seeds that we manipulated so that we would grow fruit with better, that were juicier, that had more fruit to them. Um, and that was absolutely a part of farming. I mean, one of the, you can see when the um, Native Americans and some of the, uh, also in Mexican communities, they started to grow corn. They had to learn how to make the corn edible because it was really seedy. Um, also, the technology it takes to, to farm rice is very complicated, and it was part of why the African slave trade was so um, profitable, unfortunately, because the skill it took to uh, plant rice was very scarce, and um, a lot of people in Africa knew how to plant the rice correctly, because there, uh, there's a lot of risk if you don't know how to plant something properly. You can ruin land, people starve, um, so... Yeah, unfortunately, all these really um, ugly things happened because of this um, tech philosophy and the various skills that people around the world had to make certain things happen. Um, so I, I think that's a good foundation to lay down um, what I want to talk about next which is that the philosophy upon which is the the philosophy that is believed um that that builds this relationship between man and tech is going to dictate the type of civilization that is going to be built so to give you a tangible example i often talk about chopsticks and forks chopsticks and forks reveal so much philosophically about people and how people think and see the world a fork is a way of it's a utensil for food and it stabs the food to raise it to your mouth chopsticks are um it's you're not meant to stab food with chopsticks you're meant to use your hand and use two utensils um, they're used as one, but they're two objects to lift and raise food to your mouth. Now, why is this such a big deal? Because it changes everything from what people are eating, how much people are eating it, what, how much people are chewing, how much people are digesting. Why does that matter? Because that, that affects the size of your brain. It affects, um, obviously, your energy, maybe your growth. Um, you can't really eat big pieces of, like, anything with chopsticks. You have to eat, you have to pick, you have to, have to kind of take small bites. That in itself might have an impact on how teeth are formed, again, how we think. And so why that's so important is because if you look around, you can see you can see how people think <laughs> you know um one of my favorite examples is headphones my headphones if it's i'm talking about headphones you put over your head not earbuds they always get stuck in my hair um and some more than others but i'm always like men <laughs> i love men but i'm like oh this was tested and used by men because not that guys don't have long hair but i'm like this would have come up 
Like if we were trying to design some really cool headphones um, that went over your head, then um, we would make sure that your hair wouldn't get caught because it hurts. And I don't want every time I take off my headphones for it to be a painful experience. That is called user design. That is called user experience. Um, and when you're talking about tech, that is a very, that's the most, in my opinion, the crucial part is like, what is the experience someone is going to have with this piece of technology? Um, another example is when I go to a restaurant and there's no place to put my purse. I am like, I've been to restaurants and you can only put your, uh, there's a stool or there's a chair, but the chair doesn't have the right fastening for a purse. Um, and I know many women don't like putting their purses on the floor. So things like that, um, you know, and it, it's not a crime. I'm not boohooing about it. Like I can handle it, but I'm saying this as an example of how when you have this perspective, you look around and you're like, I know who built this. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I see that with good design too. I love the idea of the rocking chair, right? Some, I know they say, I think they said that um, Ben Franklin invented the rocking chair. I'm sorry, I've read too much about inventors. I'm, I'm like, no, I refuse to believe that. I'm sorry, I just do. Maybe he did, but... I'm gonna guess it was a mother um, in a chair who was trying to soothe a child to go to sleep and probably was like, damn, this would be great if this rocked. Okay, so I wouldn't have to rock. There's very compassionate designs in things that almost make me wanna cry. I talked about in one of my presentations, um, this man, uh, I was on the promenade in Brooklyn and this older gentleman was by himself and he had one of those walkers and you know he just had the look of like he was in his last season of life and he just was soaking in this view and I feel like he probably was like lived in the area and would go to that place often and I just was looking at the wheels crying like the fucking weirdo I am because I'm like wow like someone thought about the fragility of being that age and wanting to be mobile and what these wheels are allowing this man to do right now. So um, when you see how <clears throat> intentional technology and design can be, you start to see how barbaric and irresponsible <laughs> we have been and we are with the technology we have. I mean, it's gotten to the point where I can't get emotionally invested about each change that Instagram makes. You know, I used to make comments on each one and it's like, look guys, like, I don't know what you want me to say. You know what I mean? When it comes to technology, you want to, you want to um, be responsible for the behavior that it is incentivizing, not just hoping or thinking it should you know again back to there's a difference between rules and environments and good technology should be seamless with your environment it should not be intrusive um one of my favorite examples is a good belt right or a good shoe there's it's a zen proverb that a a, a good belt should not be felt and a good shoe should not be felt this is it's ancient wisdom and the point of that is that um good design is is no interference 
it's not it doesn't feel you know when when you think about the phone or the computer the iphone or whatever smartphone it's a very intrusive type of tech it, it comes with buzzes and notifications and a big black hole with a scroll that never finishes uh, all in the name to sell advertisements they put the shopping button on yeah guys it's a mall i've been saying this for years it's meant for shopping <laughs> it's not meant for socializing technology meant for socializing wouldn't be ruining relationships it wouldn't be ruining the fabric of politics and society <laughs> it would be helping people communicate i often say many of the people who build these apps are socially awkward engineers i love engineers but it's not it's it's not a secret that many of them have gravitated towards computers and computer engineering because they feel more comfortable um, interacting through screens than in person well if that's the case then why should we trust communication apps and software built by people who have a hard time communicating or people who are 19 which that's what Zucker, how Zucker, how old Zuckerberg was. So it's not to shame anyone. It's really to give us a sense of enlightenment and responsibility over what technology is and who is qualified to, um, to contribute to it. All right. So I want to tell you about a perfect segue into... Uh, Plato's Phaedrus, um, there's a story about King Famous, who was the king of a, of a great city in Upper Egypt. Um, and the story goes that Thamus entered, entertained the god of Thuth. I hope I'm saying that right. And Thuth was the god of invention. He invented numbers, calculation, geometry, astronomy, and writing. And so Thuth would show off his inventions to the king, King Thamus. And, you know, he would obviously be very exhilarated and excited and say, hey, you know, King Thamus, these should be widely known and used by all of Egypt and the surrounding areas. And so King Thamus would ask about the use of each of these inventions. And as uh, Thuth would go through them, the king would express either his approval or disapproval. And when it came to writing, Thuth wanted to make sure he made a really good case to the king because he felt so good about writing. Um, he was like, wow, writing is really going to change the world. I really got to impress the king with this one. So he said, here is an accomplishment, my lord, that will improve both the wisdom and memory of the Egyptians. And he just was smiling and he knew the king should be really, really impressed. But the king said, Thuth, my god of inventions. The discoverer of an art is not the best judge of the good or harm which will accrue to those who practice it. He said, sure, you've benefited from writing, right? I see you thriving and your peers thriving, but it doesn't mean that that is what expresses its real function. He says, those who will acquire writing will lose their memory and they'll become forgetful. They're, they're going to start relying on writing to bring things to their remembrance by external signs instead of internal resources. And he says, what you've discovered is a receipt of recollection, not for memory. So before I move on to that in that story, this is a, 
um, story that Neil Postman opens up with in his book Technopoly. And um, it's such a powerful story because writing is something we think of as so intuitive and innate to our lives that sometimes we forget it's an invention, just like we forget the alphabet itself or money or time. Time is completely invented. Um, so this idea that, you know, we have the story coming from Socrates that, that Plato wrote down, which is, is also this irony, um, is that, or I forget which one wrote, but I know that one of them recorded the other ones. But this whole idea that one took the wisdom and wrote it down, and that's why we have this wisdom today, um, is, it's profound to think about. That we, we could, we could, we, we had a time to think about what writing would do. Um, and Postman makes a note of how King Famous was only focusing on the negatives and obviously didn't focus on all the good that writing brings, but he makes a point that that's something that's very common, usually in the other direction, meaning that we are very one-sided about what we think tech can do, and it's never been a one-sided thing. Technology is very alive. It, it, it breathes, again, our philosophy. It, it is an expression, it is a fruit, a flower of what we think should exist, <laughs> literally. Someone's like, okay, I think a doorknob should look like this. Someone is also like, well, actually, when you make the doorknob long, it's a little easier to open. Someone's like, well, when the doorknob's long, my belt loop gets caught in it, so we want to make it look like this. And so it is through this ongoing relationship between human minds and natural re resources and materials, whether they be metal, glass, um, you know, clay, dirt, we are building on this civilization and you look around and you're like wow we act like we have unlimited resources and we don't so anyway um i loved when i read this for the first time i was like wow it made me start to you know um have critical thought about a lot of the inventions i use every day whether they be as innate as writing or as um modern as an iPhone case or whatever. I do warn you that after this, you're probably going to be thinking about it everywhere. But I, what's, what's great is that you have a different sense of your environment and what makes it seamless and what makes it a place that will encourage behavior that you want to act. I do believe life is short. I do believe that, you know, whatever you're doing today should be something you're okay with if you know if if life is short so that's why i'm such a snob <laughs> when it comes to design and beauty beauty i want to do a whole episode on beauty and how much it's been even more prioritized in my life um, when i say beauty i just mean beautiful things around me and i guess beautiful feelings as well beauty um just because american culture ironically does not prioritize beauty um so the point is that what a good story to hear an authority of a civilization someone who's supposed to be in charge of making quote-unquote good decisions for all 
which is very hard to do because, again, things backfire and you can't always predict the unintended consequences of writing. But with that being said, it doesn't mean you shouldn't have any type of ethical analysis, which is what I'm hoping my work will bring is like, you know, every tech is going to have a good and bad, but do we have a procedure for ethical analysis on whether the technology is worth whatever whatever potential bad we've calculated it will bring. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so, so he thought the king was going to be impressed. The king was not impressed. The king continued on and said, as for wisdom, because remember, uh, Thuth said this would be good for memory and wisdom. So the king says, and as for wisdom, your pupils will have the reputation for it without the reality. They'll receive a quantity of information without proper instruction and in consequence be thought very knowledgeable when they are for the most part quite ignorant. And because they are filled with the conceit of wisdom instead of real wisdom, they will be a burden to society. Mm, mm, mm. So he's saying one of the negative effects of writing is that, yeah, we'll have all these words, but will we have the coherence? You know, we have we have all the we have all this shit written down. <laughs> it's all on the internet. We can Google the most profound, you know, poems and and plays and philosophy. But part of it being written down is that we don't read it anymore. We don't we don't. Uh, it's not absorbed. When we had oral traditions and and stories would be passed down you they would be in there because the memory played a completely different role in life in everyday life before we had um the written word and one of the jokes is that whatever the invention does it takes out of you so you know how they said the smartphones made us dumber well that's because we made the phone smarter than us right so it's that same kind of thing um i don't necessarily 100 percent agree with the king i just love pulling these threads apart and having these conversations because because we live in such a blind technophiliac culture we love tech we think always yes always going to be positive um and we very rarely have these conversations of like well what will it take away technology always takes away something and whatever it will be taking away will it be worth it with attention for sale my documentary I'm like, hmm, life is made up of time, right? <laughs> so if my consciousness, my eyeballs are being manipulated to pretty much everywhere I look to go into some type of entertainment, mo like a lot of the times against my will because I'm being provided the entertainment without a paywall. I kind of got sucked into it like the rest of us. That's why we're on Instagram and we're like, why is there a mall here, right? that that was the whole ethical question of like I think capitalism is cool I think advertisements are cool but you got to be careful at what cost and what technology are we using to to serve the ads what is the point of the ads if you don't have a society to buy the shit in the ads in <laughs> you know what is the point of me having a new item <clears throat> if my life is shit because you know Jojo has uh, an Instagram addiction and, you know, Sally's over here <clears throat> in depression because of what she's seeing on social media and, and George is depressed about, about politics. 
suicides going up. I'm sure you've heard those stats. Suicides going up, depressions going up, direct correlation to barbaric, irresponsible technology, particularly technology that is manipulating the inability to look away. As human beings, we our eyes will naturally gravitate towards movement. Right now, if you're in a room, your eyes will literally, your brain will ignore everything that is stagnant and whatever is moving, which is typically a screen, your bed's not moving as fast as a screen, the, the door's not moving as fast as a screen, the screen is moving as fast as a screen. The screen is a very artificial, um, uh, it's an artificial invention of movement. So, you know, they're not thinking about all this shit when they're inventing it. They're like, I don't know, we got a million people on here. Please give us some seed money and we'll make you rich. That was the conversation. Oh, well, we grew to, to 5 million. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're in Harvard. Yeah, we're kids. Isn't this amazing? Isn't this so, uh, you know, impactful? Isn't this so, uh, you know, we just think it's great. We just, we love big numbers. We, we are so unintimidated by huge numbers. <laughs> Instead of th th seeing them as potential threats or, or burdens, it's like, well, let's just get as many possible people on here. And so now you have something like Facebook, which has 2.9 billion or something like that. And um, it is a disaster. It, you know, he, he's now responsible for governmenting digitally. And that's, I think, just the f Facebook uh, part of the portfolio. I'm not even sure if that includes Instagram and WhatsApp. But the point is just like, oof, damn, where was King Famous then? <laughs> Um, and they were around, but like I said, they're all academics and people ignore them. <laughs> they, Neil Postman said it. Neil Postman has books. But again, that's the big threat is that we know, like the, the materials there, the studies have been done, the research has been made, but the, they've been made by broccoli people. So what do you do now? The only thing that's going to truly penetrate is a show like Black Mirror or um, what was the other one? The Social Dilemma, right? <laughs> Um, you know, and then what's so ironic is that all those come out too late. You know, Black Mirror is a documentary. It's not a, it's not about the future. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's why I couldn't watch it. I'm like, oh, this has us under the false impression that this is going to happen. This is happening. So, um, it's just kind of a funny situation. But anyway, so, <laughs> so he, the king is like, look, this is not, it's not going to be a memory thing. It's not going to be a uh, wisdom thing. Um, and I, I think it's a, a beautiful story. And it really just comes down to what do you think technology should do? What, what should it do? Most of us think that it should improve uh, or, or create convenience at any cost. But I think that most of us don't, uh, most of us don't implement the at any cost part because as Postman said, we're so one-sided. I truly believe that most of us don't think that we should adopt technology at any cost. That it's only the real technophiliacs, the people who ha who've built these huge companies that really, really have such a faithful devotion to tech. But for, the, for everyday consumers using it, I do truly believe that 
most of us are like, mm, no, okay, like this was cool, but it's not worth like me like having to find a job like this or find love like this or be so, um, feel so lonely, you know? I feel like the pandemic adds a whole nother layer to it, but even before this, just the loneliness and the depression and loneliness really um, sheds, it, it, it sheds years off your life because we are very social creatures. So, um, when I was going through my real, like, you know, matrix phase, I was just thinking about how much we've turned into a culture of, like, iPhone cubicles, and, like, we're all aspiring to get our own iPhone cubicle. We don't see it that way, but it's like, okay, where can I just sit with my iPhone, and, you know, that's it, that's the point, and and I press a button, and it gets me food, and I press a button, and it gets me, um, you know, uh, allegedly love or, you know, these human needs. And it's a really dark way of looking at it. I don't, I don't encourage us to surrender to that because at this point, you know, you, you have to kind of make a choice. I was in a position where I was like, I'm going to intentionally develop relationships. I'm going to intentionally mature so that I can have hard conversations and be vulnerable and feel fucking human and alive because if I don't I'm going to turn into an iPhone cubicle person who does not have enough human interaction and it's hard I understand like getting human interaction now is like it's it's a skill at this point especially again with the pandemic it's now a health risk so there's just all these things that come into play but you know again I think the main question for this and for the reason why I wanted to talk about civilization is that civilization is the answer, the, the nature of whatever society or civilization you're in. It's the answer to what do you think technology should do? And right now, this is our answer. The next question is, do we like this? <laughs> um, you know, should it just be a matter of convenience or are there other costs and consequences to consider? And how can we, um, you know, from, I think some people think that, okay, well, Alex, when should tech have stopped? When should we have stopped? I don't, I don't think it should have stopped at a certain time because I look at it kind of as a garden and gardens, you know, there's certain things that bloom in one time in the spring and then there's certain things that ripen in the fall and when it comes to life and especially with innovation because innovation begets itself so whatever you invent there's going to be an invention that wouldn't have been in existence without the prior the point i'm making is that i don't think there's an era in which oh well that's when everything was great because there was never an era where everything was great you know, again, it's like, well, what do you want to do? You want to go back to a hunting culture? No thanks. Like, Jesus Christ, I can hardly, you know, <laughs> I can hardly, like, cut my own meat in my house, let alone, you know what I mean? In the sense of just, like, I can't imagine. Like, I am, when we talk about domestication, you just look at, like, dogs, right? Like, I am a poodle in the spectrum of, like, a wild wolf. <laughs> and I am, I'm Alex Wolf, right? It's like, no. <laughs> so it's like, what? there are certain, um, again, my, my metric has always been meaning. Does this add 
this is make my life worth living. If it's taking something in my life that's making it not worth living, then that's the, that's the measure. Because again, the reason why I came up with that measure, at first I was like, oh, technology should make our life better. Way too simplistic. One man's better is another man's worse. Better is how everyone else sees it. Sometimes better will backfire because the analogy I gave in the presentation is the golf association gets all these um, patents each year of people inventing little you know, tools and stuff that they can use in the game. And the association, the golf association has to turn it down because it makes the game too easy to play. Hmm. Back to that yin yang podcast that I did and the importance of the friction between um, the black and white and the yin and yang. Uh, if if the golf association takes these little tools and things that make the golf game too easy, then the whole golf industry is gone. And not even just the industry, just the enjoyment. The players don't want to play. The the audience doesn't want to watch because there's nothing to watch because it's become a, a field of of a streamlined field of nothing. And that's in my opinion what we are doing with our lives. Well, how do I prevent any minor inconvenience? whether it be logistical or emotional. Well, what if you needed the emotional inconvenience to, to develop the maturity that you're gonna need to have a real relationship or raise a child or you know, have a decent life? The adversity has a role. So I'll end with one of my favorite quotes. I've said this a bunch of times, but it's, it's good each time. And Henry David Thoreau said that all inventions are an improved means to an unimproved end and it is an ode to the human experience and all its imperfections and life and all its inconveniences and to lighten up about trying to invent our way out of the human experience it's such a privilege in my opinion this is what i had to learn it's a privilege to have the human experience why would i want to uh sterilize it or uh technologize it in a way that gives it no meaning you know you need you need the yin yang so okay i hope this was interesting civilization y'all what do y'all think (laughs) uh you can send me a message on instagram or twitter um it's funny i have a, a cross necklace and to me it is now my um adoration for the human the human experience, especially living as a human in a civilization, and one is this this complicated to navigate. It is an expression of um, of that for me, and it's not necessarily like, oh my god, it's so perfect. It's really just like a uh, a humility of of where we are and um, how kind of like miraculous and weird it is miraculous not necessarily a good way but just like holy shit so you've been you mean to tell me we've just been inventing things to the point that i'm here with this fucking like laptop with you know this weird liquid in it that makes the screen glow up (laughs) i'm constantly thinking about that and i know a lot of my audiences too so that i'm hoping that these conversations are therapeutic and gives us an appreciation for um the materials in life and and obviously technology, but even deeper than technology, the materials that everything is made of. Like, I'm always like, 
where did this plastic come from? Like, oh my God. And a lot of it you'll see is like mostly waste. But man, it makes you appreciate things like cotton and wool and um, beautiful textures and aromas and spices. I mean, I'll have another episode about the wars that were started over spices. Okay, you want to talk about the human experience, your food, having the ability to put, you know, what, whether it be turmeric or paprika or salt, right? People went to war <laughs> so that they can have flavored food. Um, and in one way I'm saying, oh, appreciate food. But in another way I'm saying like this that we live in is a result of centuries of trade and bloodshed and all this crazy history and i'm not condoning it i'm just saying like again it's just nice to know the contextual history of how the fuck me and you got here all right i'm gonna end on that note have a great week and yes tweet me say hi on instagram let me know your thoughts i always feel so good i'm a content creator y'all you know how it is i just love to know that the content is valuable and useful and you've been saying that it's been you know refreshing and, and a good addition to your day so that makes me happy that is what i'm here to do so have a great rest of your week and yeah see you on the interwebs thank you for listening to the alex wolf podcast if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And if you aren't already, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For more resources on innovation, economics, and culture, visit alexwolf.co newsletter and sign up for my email list. Thanks.